Hey, this is Lydia Cornell from Too Close for Comfort and Curb Your Enthusiasm and Full House, Knight Rider 18, Dukes of Hazard, hundreds of other shows. And I want you to join 30 Minutes Live with CDP every Wednesday and Friday night on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm going to be on the show soon, too. Love, Chris. Hey, good evening, everybody. I know for the second straight show, no hat. I'm just so happy to have my hair cut after four months. So anyways, welcome to Live with CDP podcast. I'm still getting used to my new name on here. Uh, thank you all for tuning in tonight. And my guest is uh, going to be on shortly. Give me about a minute. Uh, her name's Erin Tracy, and she's a stand-up comedian from the uh, LA, California area. So I really appreciate Erin coming on tonight. And I'm going to put her on one second. Good evening, Erin. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Good. I can hear you and see you loud and clear. It's like you're next door to me. Whoa. Yeah. I, there, I've had a lot of practice over this last year at the, the Zoom virtual stuff, <laughs> same, luckily. Same here with uh, StreamYard. Uh, mm -hmm. It's sort of like Zoom, but uh, my friend in Philadelphia got me on it, and I really love it because it really uh, makes my podcast look more professional. Yeah, I really like all the like scrolling banner. Wow, look at my website. It looks very professional. Hopefully, hopefully this pug and my other dog will stay quiet <laughs> during, oh, during our interview. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm used to dogs and fire trucks <laughs> and ambulances and everything. So no worries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on. How was your day today? Oh, it's good. It's it's a busy time right now. I've been kind of lucky to have a have a busy a busy schedule as things are opening back up here in LA. And it's I feel like you know the the shows are really exciting. People are just so excited to be outside again and seeing each other's faces. And uh, I think all of the comedians performing right now feel a lot more brilliant than we really are, just because the audiences are so happy to be there and so generous. So. Uh, it's good. It's busy, though. It's definitely it's a busy time. Yes, and even though I'm off work for two weeks, I'm uh, busy doing my podcast, and I'm finally this Friday going to be in an arena for the first time in a year and a half for a basketball game. Wow! And, and then my camera work, which was put on hold because of COVID, uh, I should be doing that in the next couple weeks. So uh, we're behind you guys opening up, but we're finally opening up things here, and it's going to be nice to be good. able to get back to doing my camera work. And then uh, uh, being involved with this uh, pro semi-pro basketball team here as well, and still do my podcasts on top of work. That's great. Yeah, I uh, I know I have a lot of students actually that are in Canada. I teach stand-up comedy with uh, Second City here in Hollywood, and and they have been locked down there, going through yep. all the same things you're going through, or they're like, oh. So I'm glad I'm glad things are getting better for you all too. That's that'll make a big difference. Yeah, so hopefully by maybe the end of July, we might be pretty well opened up. Uh, like I said, hopefully that's the end of this virus because the last 16 months has been pretty tough. But one good thing about this technology is that I created my podcast and also people like yourself and Grace and uh, the other mm -hmm. guys could still do their uh uh, comedy shows through Zoom and, and and even Flappers. And I wouldn't have met some of uh, you guys without uh, going to Flappers online, which was kind of great. And I, I really, I know performing live is better than uh, doing it on Zoom, but I really hope they do consider uh, keeping Zoom at some point because people like myself who's 3,000 miles away can uh, see some of the shows. 
Yeah, I think to a certain extent, there'll be virtual shows forever now because of that. Exactly what you're saying, you know, classes and shows and all those things. We're really learning that there's a larger community out there that that wants access to comedy that aren't necessarily in LA, you know, that might not have the same kind of comedy community wherever they're located. So it's good you started this. Uh, I was less productive. I got another dog because I was quarantining alone and I almost broke up with myself. So I got her to fix the relationship and yeah. it didn't help. It turns out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I miss, I miss having a dog. My last dog passed away September 2019 oh from oral cancer. He was 15 years old, but unfortunately wow. oral cancer. Yeah. So I've got a cat right now named Latte. So, but I'm hoping to maybe get a dog again. I miss being around dogs and I always mm -hmm. prefer animals over people, not all people, but majority. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they've been good company. Uh, this is, this is Poppy who's looking at you right now. And the other one is Dr. Flop. Okay. Make sure you give them a treats after. Oh, they eat so many treats. As you can see, they have a very luxurious lifestyle here. <laughs> They're spoiled. Very spoiled. Very, yes. very spoiled. So, yeah. Uh, before I ask you some questions, is it okay if I just show you uh, the clip I got off your channel? YouTube channel? <laughs> sure. Go for it. Okay. I do this with all my guests just so my audience can see some of my guests work and stuff like that. And this is kind of neat on StreamYard too, because I can help promote my guest on here a little bit too. So yeah, that's great. Okay. One second and I will get this back on and we'll see. I love, I love the murder shows. And I think, I think I figured it out. I think we're watching. Can you hear it? Okay. Right. But we're not <laughs> studying what you think we're studying. Right. You would think we were studying how to avoid that guy. <laughs> That's not what we're doing though. <laughs> Everyone is watching those shows and thinking, I can change him. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. So I've been doing the thing, I've been turning everything off, right? I've been just turning everything off. I have an earthquake radio. Uh, not to brag, it's the only thing I'm prepared for. <laughs> and uh, I let it run out. So now I have to plug it in. So it's not even good for that, but I just listen to the radio now. And uh, I wouldn't say I'm a competitive person um, because I would say I'm the most competitive person. <laughs> um, and I love the radio because you can win prizes. <laughs> okay, so so far in my life, I've won tickets to a hockey game. Yeah, a booze cruise. Remember booze cruise? <laughs> and a honey baked ham. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is what I like to call the hillbilly hat trick of radio prizes. <laughs> Also, nothing makes you feel like a winner more than eating an entire honey-baked ham by yourself. <laughs> I won them all listening to country music radio, and I think the reason why is I'm the only person in LA still listening to country music radio. <laughs> I also like the radio because there are all these unexpected opportunities, right? You, you have a playlist, you know what's coming up, but the radio, you're flipping through, you never know. So the other night, I was flipping through the channels, and this woman came on and she was singing about this perfect love. And she could fail and she could stray and make mistakes. It turns out that was Christian radio. <laughs> it's like, I'm not a religious person, but for like two and a half minutes, I wanted to be loved the way Jesus loved that woman, right? I don't know if it's blasphemy because I didn't know at the time, but I actually had the thought, like, I let that guy do butt stuff. <laughs> Yes. 
young women, everybody's like, oh, I lost a hot year to quarantine. It's like, I'm 30, oh, I lost a fertile year, okay? <laughs> I was fantasizing about Jesus, right? Oh, you got a new wrinkle? Okay, sometimes it's so quiet in my apartment, I can hear my eggs die, okay? So relax. <laughs> I miss this. I really miss being in public, especially with people of this age range, because I've reached that age where when I am, people either call me ma'am or young lady. I hate both of those things, but what I like about it is I now know I've entered a phase in my life I like to call young ma'amhood. <laughs> Dating at this age is tricky because if any of your grandparents are still alive, odds are I'm too old for you. <laughs> But if both of your parents are dead, odds are I'm too young for you. <laughs> Unless they died under some mysterious and unfortunate circumstances, in which case, I'm perfect for you. <laughs> See me after this show. My friend was like, that's not your problem, Mary. Your problem is if you like gym guys, did you like muscles? It's like, of course I like muscles. That's not why I like gym guys, though. I like gym guys because I like being left alone for at least two hours every day. That's why I like gym guys. I also do, the guys will do weird things. They'll slide in my DMs and they'll say things like, you're a comedian, question mark, because you're too pretty to be funny. <laughs> Which sucks, right? Like, we don't do that too much. Like, I've never approached a man by saying, you're way too handsome to have a big dick. <laughs> I would imagine that I'm like not a scientist or anything, but I'm pretty sure that's the mathematical equation for the I've also made the mistake of dating fellow stand-up comedians. I know, but I like to learn from my mistakes. And what I learned is if they have some material about being bad in bed, you should believe them. <laughs> I was married once. Of course I was married. Look at me, I'm a catch. <laughs> and release, it turns out. So <laughs> here we are. I don't I don't have a husband, but I do have an IUD. <laughs> but I've been single for so long that it's just kind of like I'm wearing a motorcycle helmet all the time. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that tr uh, <laughs> clip was courtesy of your uh, YouTube channel. And uh, like I said, I think nowadays uh, comedy humor is even more important. I agree. You know, it's a tough thing. Uh, it really is uh, a little bit feeling under fire to have to watch your own stand-up clip <laughs> for five minutes. <laughs> uh, but I'm yeah, thanks for, for sharing that with your, your followers. It's just so funny um, as a comedian to see to watch yourself publicly is such a funny <laughs> and strange thing. Well, and, and I'm kind of hard on myself too. Cause when I, I, I listened to my podcast after and I'm like, ah, my voice, my voice, my voice. And it's like, and it's just, uh, I just got to get used to it, I guess. Cause I'm still hard on myself thinking I don't have the, the voice for radio, but obviously I, I think I'm doing something right because I'm getting, great guests like yourself and some people from the NFL and the NHL on and, and I'm lucky. Great. I just have to keep working at it. And, and this video clip thing, uh, Grace was using it on her podcast and I, I was like, how do you do that? And then I learned how to do it. And it's like, I think it's great because it promotes the guests and that's what I'm trying to do on my podcast. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just like I said, it's funny. <laughs> it's always funny to watch yourself. It's like listening to your own voice, like you're saying. <laughs> yeah, we, we spend a lot of time doing it, but uh, but it's always funny to do it yeah. for an audience. Yeah. Yeah, and I had to change the name of my podcast because, like I said, my, a lot of my podcasts, uh, originally they were about a half an hour, but then since I've been getting guests on, uh, it's been way longer. So I figured live with CDP would be better because then there's no time constraints. But yeah. I always still talk to a guest before and just make sure how much time they are. So um, I know in your case you said a half an hour, so I'll, I'll get with some of the questions now. And what I don't right. get in – what I don't get in tonight, maybe I'll get in with you uh, a second time if if you if you like the podcast. Yeah, if if only you weren't the first guy that made that offer to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, the first question: Can you tell my audience just a little bit about yourself and when did you decide to pursue a career in comedy? Um, sure, I am. Um, I'm a stand-up comedian in LA. Like Chris said, I am. Um, I teach at Second City Hollywood. I teach stand-up, which is something that I love to do. I also tour around quite a bit. I have a performing arts background. So I went to um, NYU for undergrad. I went to UCSD for graduate school. And I was originally making kind of experimental dance theater. That's how I got started on all of this, is I was interested in making weird dances to go with funny monologues and I wanted to get funnier um, so that my weird dances and funny monologues would work better. And I know this is all very relatable. Everybody travels this path to comedy, obviously. But uh, <laughs> but I feel like that was how I started doing stand-up. I wrote it into a show, into a dance show that I did. Um, and I started to do it and I fell in love with you know, I think already as a person that was making a lot of choreography, I love anything that's iterative where you learn something about it and then you make it better over time. And I fell in love with that process and I got addicted to it and just wanted to get really good at that. So I kind of transitioned from that life where I was making these pieces, making original work to to doing a lot more stand up. Whereas originally I kind of started it just to support that work. And um, it was it was one of those transitions you make in life where like like things seem hard and then like a door opens, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I'm also doing this other thing and like, oh, like all the opportunities, all the things, um, all my focus is kind of shifting in this direction. So I went with it and it's been tremendous. I, I'm so grateful to, the comedy community here in LA um, and and to the experiences that I've had in doing it because uh, it's it's definitely I don't know it's it's changed the way I look at making things and as a person that has created original work over my whole lifetime there's something so seductive about like any night of the week I can just hop in my car and I can perform on three different stages tonight, right? Testing out new material, performing in front of audiences. And it's so rough and ready. You know, I can write it tonight. I can perform it tonight. I can test it out. And as a person that loves to perform, there is something so unique about stand-up in that you are literally editing through performance. And I, I think ultimately that's why 
that's why I'm here and and also what I live for because the I think the reputation for stand-up is that like we're all lone wolves smoking cigarettes in our leather jackets against the wall like tough guys but in fact we're we're having to collaborate with every single audience to work out our material and figure out how to do how to do it better every night did you have any mentors when you were first starting out like doing the dancing and then the comedy oh yeah um uh, yes. In dance, I, one of my earliest mentors, when I was at NYU, I was actually studying theater at the Experimental Theater Wing there, which is where all the weirdos are. People, they don't know. They're like, you're, you're supposed to make something. You're supposed to innovate something in terms of performing arts. And I had a teacher there named Annie B. Parson. And she, she, her, her company in New York, it's called Big Dance Theater. They're incredible. And she was really the person that inspired me to do more dance. Uh, it was her choreography class in NYU. I got cast in a show that I worked on for two years right after um, right after I graduated. Uh, and that guest that cast me um, came to that class, saw my work there, uh, and definitely throughout the years uh, and, and in, in graduate school, I had a great professor, Professor uh, Patricia Rincon. She was she was an early supporter of mine. Like right when I got there, she had seen my work, and she um, she commissioned some work for for her international dance festival for the for the library in that area. And while I got in trouble for dancing on a piano at the library, it was still a good experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely, I've had some some folks along the way that supported me um and and then as i was transitioning to stand up i would say you know dan telfer was an early mentor and teacher of mine uh who made a tremendous difference in my life and i i think without his encouragement and and some other folks that just getting started early on, especially because I was driving, I went to graduate school in San Diego. So I was driving to LA and trying to figure out like where I was supposed to be. I think having those people early on, especially centered around second city Hollywood really helped. Okay. Uh, Lisa, I'm just going to get to the one questions I wanted to ask you and then I'll save the other ones for next time. Um, I was going to say the next question I was going to ask you, um, this one I'm going to get you. Uh, what is the hardest aspect of the comedy industry and what do you love about it the most? What, what makes you keep continue to do it? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think the hardest thing, uh, well, there are two different things that come to mind when I think about the hardest thing. But I would say right now, uh, particularly top of mind as a female comic is it's it tends to be a little tougher to get booked as a female comic, um, just historically, and that is always true now. So, um, so I'd say there's a component to that that feels difficult, right? It's like walking into a room where Oops, I think Tracy froze up there. Hey, Tracy. Uh, sorry, Aaron. I think you're Am I frozen. back? Yeah, you're back. It happens with technology. I'm uh, sorry. No, I'm it's not, okay. 
I'm not Ethernet connected. We're, we're Wi-Fi, so it's like you know, rolling rolling without a seatbelt. Um, yeah. So I would say I would say that I would say you know sometimes as a female comic, it's it's not always the most inviting. Um, it's not always the most inviting. And but that being said, you know I've been lucky. I've been super lucky in terms of getting booked a lot on shows and and also in I feel like that is part of what inspires me to keep going. So you're asking, what do I love about it? It's like sometimes the harder the room, the more exciting it is for me to figure out if I can, um, you know, win the room. Definitely. Okay. Uh, next question I want to ask you, um, what are some of the differences in performing from, in, from New York City to LA audience wise and just, I, I just thought I'd ask you that question. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I feel like I was a lot more of what I was performing for in New York were like like avant-garde downtown dance theater audiences in New York, even though I was doing some some stand-up during that time. I feel like for the most part it was <laughs> it was uh, fancy experimental theater dance audiences and um and then out here, I've definitely it's it's mostly comedy comedy audiences. So I'd say by virtue of what they were expecting from the performance, that that was different. But beyond that, I would say in New York, I think there's so much there, right? So I think it's a little bit just figuring out everything's so stratified. Like everybody has like their own little filing system, and you have to figure out where you fit in the filing system, and then you kind of go into that spot. And I, I think LA is true to that structure to a certain extent, but there's also something out here that I really like that everybody feels like they're prospecting, you know, like everybody feels like they're out here trying to figure something out. So they're kind of doing everything all at once and, and connecting in a different way. So I would say in terms of audiences, I think people in New York were uh, really looking for something specific because they had figured out what the performance was they were going to and and how that fit into the larger social structure where I feel like in LA sometimes it's just like, hey man, let's do this thing. Let's try it out. You want to do this thing? I'm shooting a thing. I'm doing a podcast. I'm shooting a web series and uh, people just kind of figure it out as they go along and make those connections in that way. Okay. Uh, next question I want to ask you is, do you have a favorite comedian, male and female? I just noticed that these questions are written down for and me. Do you have any favorite? <laughs> I just saw them. I just noticed there's a banner. Uh, that's kind of a loaded question. I feel like I have a lot. I have a lot of um, favorite comedians. Um, you know, I so I was just listening to the Jackie and Lori podcast. So Jackie Cation and Lori Kilmartin, I feel like are two of my favorite female comics. I love their podcast. I love how they talk about stand-up comedy. And uh, I, I feel like those two are top of mind right now. So so those are two of my favorites. That being said, there there's a spreadsheet going around today with like 300 female comics in the LA area. Um, you know, there there are lots of, people out here doing good work and um you know the classics of course i feel like hannah gatsby was really important uh in the work that she did recently and maria bamford is incredible uh, and hilarious and and my my friend winter spears is actually gonna go 
and be with her on the road pretty soon. So there are, there are a lot of comedians doing a lot of good work right now. And I'm so excited to see everybody getting back to work. Have you ever performed in Canada yet before COVID? I haven't performed in Canada. I want to. I Like I said, well, I have a lot of students there. So I would love to. Okay. Well, if you ever do come to uh, Canada or Ontario or Toronto, please let me know. I could be I maybe be your promoter. Yeah, that would be great. Definitely. Uh, I love like you that. Said, okay, definitely. I'm actually moving pretty quick for you, so I'm, I'm keeping my promise. Uh, <laughs> next question I'm going to ask you is, uh, I do oh, this with you. all my life, uh, this question I ask. Bef before going live on stage, do you have any rituals that help you relax before a performance? Yeah, I... I can't do it in live shows, but during COVID, I would play a song. I would like mute myself and turn off my camera and I would play a song and dance as hard as I could. <laughs> uh, like just crazy in my apartment and like scare my dogs and chase them around. And, and, and I had a short song that I would play and just jump, jump up and down and, and dance around and just get the energy up. Cause when you're sitting down, it's, it's a hard thing to kind of keep the energy up, keep, keep it, um, I don't know, as electric as when you're standing up on stage. So I think I was trying to recapture some of that. I, on stage, when I'm, when I'm doing live performances, you know, I'll usually like go have a moment to myself somewhere and just like look over my set list. I always write out my set list as kind of a ritual, um, not even necessarily because I need to remember the jokes, but just because it helps my brain relax and feel like I have some structure to support me no matter what happens on stage, right? Like even if I throw away all of those ideas, kind of the ritual of, of knowing the writing is there to support me, it helps. Okay, another question I was gonna throw in quickly, I'm watching the time. Um, how long does it take a comedian or yourself to gauge an audience? It's interesting. Uh, it, I think it depends on the audience uh, and how. So um, if we go over a little bit, too, that's OK, because um, okay. I feel like, yeah, it's OK. I um, one of my favorite comedians is Mark Marin, And I saw him back when Nerd Melt was still here in L.A., which was a very cool like venue here. It was in the back of a comic book shop. And. It was interesting because a lot of the other people on the show were also very um, well-known comics. And I noticed that he really came out and stood in the crowd for a good part of the show, whereas everybody else kind of stayed in the green room. And he was really paying attention to the crowd. And I, I, I learned a lot from that experience of watching him watch us because I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's also your job. It's, if you aren't the first person on stage, if you aren't the person hosting the show, then your job is to know what kind of energy, what kind of room you're entering into. And, and so I think if I'm, uh, I'm not up first, I, I'm in the room and I'm paying attention. I, uh, and then if I am up first as the host, you know within the first minute or so how, how an audience feels if you're hosting, I'm, I'm giving myself a minute because you usually have house announcements and things like that. But if, if you're going in cold, if you haven't seen them or experienced them, uh, cause that gives you a little bit of time to do house announcements and a little bit of time to do your material to see if they're any fun. 
that's about what the uh, I've had five other comedians come on, and they sit generally between thirty seconds and a minute. So that's pretty well normal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I like to add your industry and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that your writing is also structured for that, right? So if you aren't doing house announcements, then 30 seconds feels right, because that should be right around when you're getting your first laugh. Definitely. What's the biggest audience you've performed it before live uh, before? I don't know, maybe a few hundred people, 350 That's people a lot. maybe. That's a lot. That's a lot. You still ever get nervous or a little bit of butterf butterflies or is it just, do you, you still do. Yeah. Cause um, I know with doing camera works different for a hockey broadcast, but uh, even the producer said, if you're not nervous or a little bit uh, thing, then there's it's, it's, he said, it's actually a good thing for you because it focuses you on to do with the best job you can. And, and it's normal too. Yeah. I think, I think if you do stand up comedy, you're, I would say you're a little addicted to being nervous in the first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you got it. You have to care, and I think that's the other thing is sometimes uh, comics are so like that. I know, obviously, not me, but like other comics I know are so cool, and it seems like ah, uh, you know, I don't care. And but like you have to care uh, to be successful to a certain extent. Uh, oh, excuse me, to a, a certain extent. So I would say nerves help, and also that's part of why I'm doing it because I like that feeling of being so alive and so sensitive to everything that's going on that I'm really uh, paying that deep hyper-focused level of attention for sure. Okay. And uh, I know you haven't come from oh, Canada yet. A, for your uh, uh, performances or do you just stay to California, Arizona areas? Sorry, you have to say that again. You froze for me in the middle. Oh, okay, okay no problem. Um, where have you all performed in the States, I guess? Uh, do you just mainly stay in the California area, or do you uh, do the East Coast as well as the West Coast? Yeah, I get booked a lot in California, but I travel all over. So I've done the East Coast, the West Coast. I've done – I did some shows in Hawaii, Um you know, I'll go, I'll go wherever the audiences are. I really, I actually like touring quite a bit and, and I'm excited things are coming back because I want to do more of that. Right. I feel like that's part of the fun when you do this thing. So, um, I'll go wherever. Yeah. I miss going to the States because before COVID struck, I was going over the States. I don't live far from Buffalo or mm -hmm. Detroit. And I was going over probably once a month for shopping or sporty events. And it's been 16 months now. So I'm hoping by August, cause I was supposed to uh, take a family member last year to a Billy Joe concert in Buffalo and it got postponed. I've never been to a concert and I'm a Billy Joe fan. So I'm just crossing our fingers that the land borders are still, uh, gonna be opened up in august yeah yeah my friend uh whose mom is in canada her mom just came to visit for the first time because things are relaxing so hopefully you'll be able to see billy joel yeah definitely and i'd like to see you perform live too one day yeah you should you should come out let me know my calendar is always up on my is website it? always always around i'm always doing things are you gonna sing yeah. piano man I'm you'll sing along I can't sing. I did karaoke <laughs> once in New York City when I was drunk, and I emptied out the bar, but I had a lot of fun doing it. What did you sing for karaoke that emptied out uh, the bar? Uh, Journey, uh, Don't Stop Believing, uh, Ki Kiss, Detroit Rock City, oh, wow. and 
Montel Jordan's uh, "This Is How We Do," and I can't believe I can't believe I remembered these songs because I had a little too much to drink. It's almost a miracle they let you do three in a row like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I I loved it. So, uh, New York City is one of my favorite cities, and I like to go back there. I've never even been to California because I haven't even been on an airplane yet. So, I think oh, one day I'm going to have to get on an airplane and and come out to California because I love sports. And I'd like to check out some comedy clubs out in LA too. Yeah. You come okay. out here and see the Dodgers and some comedy. I don't know anything about sports. I just know Definitely, the, yeah. the Lakers. That's okay. <laughs> I just know the names. <laughs> yeah. That's okay too. And like I said, uh, I, this is what I love about doing my podcast because originally it was all sports, but now I'm trying to branch out. And I, I, I think that's a good balance too. And, and I like doing that because I learn new stuff from my guests no matter what. I do like to use, even though I don't know anything about sports, I like to use sports metaphors when I teach my stand-up classes because I think they work for me. Okay. And then maybe the next time I will ask you about your teaching aspect of comedy yeah. as well. Uh, one last question for you. Cause I still wanted to keep my word about uh, not keeping you too long. Uh, oh, yeah. This is last question I wanted to ask you for tonight. Um, do you have any advice for those watching now or later on who are looking for a career in the comedy industry? Yeah, I, um, my best advice is that if you want to do it, you can start right now. So I think um, as a person that is a perfectionist and as a person that's taught a lot of stand-up classes with a lot of students, I think kind of the, the thing that prevents most people from starting is thinking they have to have everything perfect before they begin. And I think stand-up is, like I mentioned before, it's collaborative. So it's a little bit more ready, fire, aim, you know? So so write some jokes and go to an open mic and figure it out and be willing to fail because ultimately that's what will make you better. And the sooner you start to go to the open mics and do your writing and do your performing and test stuff out, the sooner you'll get good. And uh, the only person that can start that is is you. But I, I would say this comedy, I love stand-up comedy because there is no major bar for entry. You don't need a master's degree in comedy to do it. You just yeah, need to try to write some jokes and, and learn and be willing to try and fail, but also to learn from that failure so that you can get better the next time you do it. It's sort of like radio too. And I'm trying to get into radio without having to go to school. And I've been told that keep doing the podcast, keep getting great guests on, keep watching and listening to your shows and uh, just keep trying to improve yourself and build contacts too. And I'm the, I'm sure that's the same with the comedy industry too. When you first start out is to build co uh, contacts as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once you start to get out there, once you're doing the mics and the shows, you know, inherently you'll start to meet people and you'll start to find the the folks that uh, will make a big difference for you in your life over the course of whatever kind of comedy career you want to have. Okay. And before I let you go, I always do this with my guests. Um, where can my audience find you on social media? Oh, yeah. I do have, I do have oh. your website down there too. I know. Thank you. This has been very thorough. I've been reading about myself as I'm being interviewed, which is so delightful. It's very professional. Uh, I My website is Aaron Tracy. Everything's Aaron Tracy Comedy. I realize that is not the most Oh, I think you froze up. 
Okay, I'm back. Oh, you're back. It happens. It happens. Uh, it's Aaron Tracy Comedy on everything. Instagram, Twitter, that's my website. I have a Facebook page, but I probably don't pay enough attention to Facebook. So um, that's where you can find me, Aaron Tracy Comedy. Okay, definitely. And I, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on tonight live with CDP. And uh, I'm yeah. hoping maybe again in the future you might be able to come back on a, a second time and maybe we'll yeah. talk more about the teaching aspect of the comedy industry as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to spend this. It went fast. Yes. When you have good guests, the time <laughs> flies. That's how it I look at it. Thank you. Yeah, it went fast. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, I'll definitely come back, though. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Well, you have a great night, and we'll keep in touch with you on social media, and uh, we'll figure out another time in the future. We'll bring you back on again. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Aaron. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my uh, uh, podcast tonight with Aaron. Uh, she's stand-up comedy uh, comedian in LA, California. Check out her website at AaronTracyComedy.com. Uh, and uh, she uh, she's on social media as well, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube as well. So uh, anyways, guys, I really enjoyed uh, talking to Aaron tonight. And uh, just before I go, I'm going to let you guys know my next show uh, is my next live with CDP podcast is going to be tomorrow, Thursday, July 8th, 12 o'clock Eastern, 9 on the West Coast. Guest Brittany Bloom, a singer, a sing, uh, R&B sing, singer from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to uh, Brittany. So that's tomorrow, July 8th at 12 o'clock. Uh, Brittany Bloom will be on live with cdp and you can also check out her website uh brittanybloom.com anyways guys uh, i don't think i have any comments tonight uh but uh i was gonna say i've got a little bit of sports stuff to do uh right now you got the stanley cup finals game five going on i imagine it's in the second period right now uh tampa bay and montreal is going on and one one let's see i'll have to find out the score for that and some other sports news. Um, the Angels Otani hits his 32-32nd home run today to break Hideki Matsui's record for home runs by a Japanese player in a major league se uh, season, which is outstanding. He's uh, a player, he's a pitcher, and he's a slugger, home run hitter, and he's doing well. And uh, they got him and Mike Trout, but uh, tremendous player he is. And then uh, New York Mets ace uh, announced today, Jacob DeGrom, uh, says he's skipping the All-Star game because he's had a few minor uh, injuries as well. So anyways, guys, and the Tigers defeated Texas today 5-3, to three, took 2 out of 3 from the Rangers. Uh, Gregory Soto uh, had the save today. And the Tigers are now 40-47, and they're only three and a half games behind second place in the AL Central. So I think A.J. Hinch is doing an outstanding job with this young Tigers team, and their young pitching staff has been really doing well. And I think the Tigers are on the way up. Um, maybe not this year, but I think the Tigers are very close to being a playoff team, hopefully by 2022. And uh, like I said, just got to keep winning two out of three every series. So 
uh, 40 and 47. And I think they have a real good opportunity to get to 500 uh, maybe by August. We'll see what happens there. And as for the Stanley Cup final, I mentioned Montreal and Tampa Bay tonight. Right now, they're probably in the second period. Tampa Bay is looking to win uh, the Stanley Cup for the second straight year in a row. Montreal is looking to force a game six back at the Bell Center Friday night. Uh, anyways, guys, and before I go, I'm just going to put up uh, some uh, my podcast uh, live with CDP podcast. The audio version is on Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Castbox. And uh, everyone who watched this live tonight on my uh, YouTube channel, Chris Pame, Facebook Live under Chris Pame, and uh, my Twitter page at Chris D. Pame. Thank you so much for watching live with CDP uh, on live audio, a live video. And uh, later again, you guys can listen to it on uh, audio. And uh, like I said, again, I want to say thank you to my guest, Aaron Tracy. Uh, I really enjoyed her uh, coming on tonight. And I'm hoping to get uh, Aaron back on again in the future and talk a little more, bit more about the comedy industry and the teaching aspect of it. So I really appreciate her coming on tonight. And uh, I look forward to tomorrow's show uh, with uh, Brittany Bloom. Again, guys, uh, Thursday at uh, 12, I'll just put this on here again, uh, 12 noon tomorrow, 9 on the West Coast, Brittany Bloom uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, RB, up-and-coming R&B singer from Atlanta, Georgia, will be on. And you guys can check out her uh, uh, website again, BrittanyBloom.com. And anyways, guys, before I go, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, volunteering with the Guelph Nighthawks this Friday night, July nights. Their home opener at the Sleeman Center at 7 o'clock against the Hamilton Honey Badgers. Nighthawks are off to an old 3 start, but hopefully uh, they'll get their first win of the season. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been in a, in a, a hockey arena or a basketball arena in over a year and a half, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing some uh, semi-pro basketball. You can check out the CAEBL website, www.cebl.com. Uh, the Gulf Nighthawks website as well. Uh, fans won't be allowed into the Sleeman Center for the first two games, but hopefully by the end of July, early August, they'll be able to have some fans out there. But I'm looking forward to that being back with Gulf Nighthawks as a volunteer. And uh, hopefully I'll be back with Rogers TV uh, doing some more camera work with them as well. So, all right, guys, uh, I'm going to call this a show because I'm going to watch the rest of the Stanley Cup uh, game five tonight between Montreal and Tampa. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is going to win it and close it out tonight, but I'm not going to be upset if Montreal wins tonight and forces a game six because it's great having um, Stanley Cup hockey right now, the NBA Finals and Major League Baseball. And then uh, when uh, hockey and basketball are done, the NFL will be starting up as well as the CFL. So a uh, much better year for sports than it was a, a year ago. And I think things are slowly getting better. So, all right, guys, uh, I'm going to call this a, a podcast show for tonight. But again, thank you to Aaron Tracy for coming on. Everybody who watches this, uh, thank you so much. And uh, my next show, again, tomorrow, Thursday, July 8th, 12 o'clock Eastern, 9 on the West Coast. Brittany Bloom, uh, RB singer from Atlanta, Georgia, will be my uh, guest on Live with CDP. Thank you all again for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow at noon for another edition of Live with CDP. Good night, guys.